What's up, Ecosystem? Welcome back to ATI Auto Business. My name is Jay. It's Tuesday night. Please do leave a like, click share, click copy, grab that YouTube link. I love what you've done with the place. Thank you so much. What we're going to do is we're going to jump right into logistics news. But before we do, I just want to remind you, oh, that's coming up. Really, Jay? We're live. You know what I did is I made some changes, and I made a lot of changes, and I was running through the rehearsal of it, and then I got caught live. So here we go, take two. I don't have my clapper ready. Let's see if we can do this. All right, it is episode 312 in a row. I'm skipping the intro car hauler. I'm skipping some of the other sections that I did. I do want to remind you, this is the ecosystem's neutral zone. We're here every Tuesday night. We happen to also be live, as you know. It's something we love to do is be live, and we followed the disconnect between sales and operations. Um, our Tonight's feature guest is actually Skip Cavanaugh. He posted on LinkedIn, real-time tracking compliance for auto hauling. Is it a big deal? No longer a value-added service. It's expected by shippers. Dealers know it's possible. Fleet managers, auctions. Everybody knows it's possible because of the technology that we have. But why won't carriers turn on their GPS? Why is this a problem? Is it an invasion of piracy? Privacy. Okay, so we're going to bring in Marco, we got Joe, we got Ty, we got David from Autotrans Consulting, and we're going to have a conversation about this in the panel. Before we do, I just want to remind you, we, we believe in delivering the auto logistics news, the top news, and doing it unscripted and unrehearsed. Here we go. Now, I know that UAW, it's a historic strike, and Ford, GM, Stellantis, the big three, I was looking into, okay, what are the factors here? Let's look at it. Big three automakers, Ford, GM, Stellantis. In negotiations, the, the strike started Friday. We've started with three plants, Ford, Michigan Assembly Plant in Wayne, Michigan, Stellantis, Toledo Assembly in Toledo, GM, Wentzville Assembly in Wentzville, and panel and live chat, please do comment on what you think of this story, how important you think it is, who you think it affects, the prices, the consumers, the workers, the drivers, Ford Bronco, Jeep Wrangler, Chevy Colorado. The union's demands include restoring defined benefit pensions for all workers, 32-hour work weeks, additional cost of living hikes, it's the COLA, the cost of living adjustment, that seems to be a central part of all of the strike and the negotiation and the demands. Let's take a, I, you know, what I did is I was watching some, I was watching some videos, reading many articles. Here's a claim in the UAW video that CEO pay has gone up 40% in the last four years. By the way, I do remember in the past year or so talking about record profits, all this talk of record profits. Great stuff for the shareholders and everybody else. But if you keep saying it, I kept asking, are the carriers seeing record profits? Is anybody else seeing record profits? Well, it seems to be coming around because now CEO pay is at 40%. Uh, inflation's at 20%. The average new car price is up 34%. But United Auto Workers wages are up 6%. So there's a problem. The cost of living wage isn't keeping up with everything else. As we know, that's a complicated problem. Let's see, Ford CEO Jim Farley, uh, he said also that 
he feels like this was a foregone conclusion. Somebody actually said it's a foregone conclusion. The strike's action was predetermined because hours before the deadline, Sean Fain, um, I believe he is the president of the UAW, if I'm right. Fain was at the bargaining table with multiple automakers, according to people in direct talks. But um, the tone was superficial that they knew they were going to go into a strike. It's hearsay. He said, she said. You know, who can who can say for sure? But it seems like it's a long time coming. Now, this is in, interesting. Ford's former CEO has a warning for UAW and the automakers that a word of caution to the big three, do not cave to the labor demands in a way that leaves them, the automakers, in a precarious financial situation and at a competitive disadvantage. Remember, there is the rest of the world that maybe we can ship some of this overseas and it becomes too competitive. However, the automakers can't plead poverty. They've been talking about record profits. We've all seen it. They need to find a creative way to package a fair contract that rewards workers, but do it in a way that doesn't repeat the mistakes of the past. It seems that, um, from what I've gathered, the initial demand was workers' wages 40% increase. The automakers were talking more like in the teens. They're getting closer to 20. Now the UAW might be closer to 30. So it looks like there is some headway on this negotiation, but then again, is there an end in sight? Uh, yeah, we can ship it over to Mexico, ship it overseas. These are some of the negotiating chips of the automakers, whereas the workers are saying, well, all right, get ready for the trickle-down effect for GM Stellantis already seeing tr trickle-down effect um, of the strikes. Auto suppliers, they say if the UAW strikes more plants, it could mean the end for many auto suppliers Thanks for jumping in, Vincent. You know, with the pandemic, right, there was already, this is this is the automaker plants coming back online. This is suppliers getting out of the bottleneck and the shortage. And then here comes this strike. This could be a problem for many auto parts suppliers. Plus, uh, being talked about is there was already a retraining and rehiring of many employees. You know how tough it is to find great employees, to find great help. So just retrained, just staffing up, and now this. Uh, a broader and prolonged strike would mean part suppliers couldn't keep production going if the vehicle assembly plants that use their parts are idled. How about this? UAW strike could make cars more expensive. Right now, is that is that a problem? Should that be in consideration? That's part of what consumers are looking at. Average new car supply has recently rebounded to approximately 60 days, meaning a two-week strike could cut domestic dealer supply by a quarter, and a one-month could cut it in half. Um, big three automakers, Ford, Jim, Chrysler, make up 40% of the U.S. new car market. If new cars are less available and more expensive, it could also affect the used car market, which could come back up. So used car prices come back up. New car prices come back up. Is that the effect of all this? By the way, as we know in our own ecosystem, what's it like to be an auto transporter trying to navigate the strike? You know, obviously companies are talking about how to how to manage. If you are going to go to a plant that, do you know if there's a strike? Are you worried about a strike? And so on and so forth. So there's a, there's a lot to talk about. 
Um, second in the news, I put in. I'm doing. I'm doing a repeat here. GM workaround for shipping snags. Dealer pickup from the factory. GM increased compensation for dealerships that send their own staffers to pick up vehicles from certain factories to a thousand dollars. Thousands of stores made the effort to increase inventory and keep customers from waiting. Now wait a minute. So uh, now this came out September eighth. GM increased compensation for dealers to pick up their own cars. And I know that uh, I know that this the word is out. GM is now paying dealerships a thousand dollars up to a thousand if you pick up at certain assembly plants. And I mean this is probably a longer haul, but over three thousand retailers have taken up the automaker on picking up over twenty-five thousand cars and trucks already. So Wait, GM previously offered up to four twenty-five per vehicle to offset dealerships' trips to the plant. Wait, so are there not car haulers available? So, is this this is interesting? How how the automakers, some automakers, offered some dealers to come pick up their cars in advance of what was looking like a strike coming up. Now, is this an ongoing campaign? That I'm curious of. I don't actually know the I don't know the answer. Um. It has been said and, and speculated that some of this is because we know Autonomous is coming down the pipe, right? Here's Autonomous rail vehicles in test runs. Parallel Systems unveiled Tuesday another second-generation battery-powered Autonomous rail vehicle, which is slated for use in pilot projects both in the U.S. and abroad. L.A.-based Parallel Systems is looking at how autonomous rail vehicles perform in the broader rail network. Right now, they can use them by remote control, but eventually they will be fully autonomous. What does autonomous vehicle delivery look like in the future, and how does that play a part in automakers having dealers pick up their own cars? in the UAW strikes and let's take a look at one more one more article actually this was a post shared by Kevin Prada talking about the high cost of trucking hit with an $11,000 repair bill yesterday this is a week ago uh, $11,000 repair bill by the way if this strikes natively affect parts supply is it going to be even harder to get the parts, some of the parts that you've already had trouble getting? Fuel bill auto drafts from the account in a few days at sixteen grand. Insurance payment also due this week. That's another sixty-five hundred. Can't forget about payroll. That's going to be another ten grand. The high cost of running a trucking business. This is a small business. Think of a large business and the cost that you're getting into there. So, I mean, it's pretty amazing stuff. Uh, remember, leverage ATI in your business. We don't ship cars, we move information. It's ATI Auto Business. Send in your comments, autotransportintel at gmail.com. That's right, we moved the news to the front because news is front and center and sets up all conversation. Do me a favor, right after this short break, we're going to be live with, we're going to bring in Skip. We're going to learn more about Skip Cavanaugh and the post he put on LinkedIn about tracking car haulers. So do me a favor, stick around because we'll be right back. Transport Auto Quoter is by far the leading auto quoting software on the market and the only auto quoter with a pro version that comes preset with accurate pricing for anywhere in the U.S. So you don't have to worry about it. The best part is that no change with your current software is needed. 
Just plug TAQ in and start booking jobs. Carriers can easily plug TAQ into their current websites and start making money right away. I bet you're wondering how we do this instantly and accurately 24-7. Well, constant analytics is the key. Our price watch team is constantly monitoring current market conditions, paying close attention to seasonal and quick-moving industry changes. At the end of the day, it takes a lot of time and data to maintain good pricing, time that most of us just don't have on a daily basis. So free yourself up. Using TAQ Pro is really a no-brainer. Save time and money, maximizing your leads and optimizing your online investments. You'll finally be able to sleep well at night knowing that TAQ is on the job selling for you 24-7. Never missing a potential job. Autohauler Exchange is a new B2B marketplace, the first of its kind in the vehicle logistics industry. Autohauler Exchange automates the complex workflows of the vehicle logistics ecosystem by connecting large and small vehicle haulers directly with vehicle shippers. By eliminating the middleman, typically required in vehicle logistics, AHX streamlines the shipping process, cuts shipping delays, and reduces empty space on carriers and unnecessary miles while increasing revenue. Working directly with the shipper, carriers can pick and choose which opportunities fit their routing on a day-by-day -day basis to maximize their capacity and eliminate empty miles, while allowing them to plan their backhauls in advance. The exchange gives control back to carriers. By using technology, AHX creates a frictionless, efficient environment for vehicle transportation. Get off the vehicle hauler roller coaster today with Auto Hauler Exchange. Auto Hauler Exchange B2B Marketplace connects shippers directly with carriers, and that means putting the power of the business transaction back in the carrier's hands. Visit AutoHaulerExchange.com. Links are in the live chat. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Hey, by the way, uh, really do appreciate the uh, making martinis in the super chat. Um, oh, Ty is making them. And Nexus, oh, wow, took the top off the martinis. Um, Ty is making them. Nexus is making them. Also, you got your links in the live chat. And I just want to say hello to everybody in the live chat for saying hello. Carlos, questions, Chris, Gary, Vincent, Joe. And yes, Chris, I got your, I got the email right before the show. Um, and we'll let me know when, you know, if that, if, there, if that becomes public information, if there's more information to know, feel free to send in the news, autotransportintel at gmail.com. And now it is time, you guys ready? Here we go. Please do help me wish a very warm welcome to our feature guest tonight, Skip Cavanaugh. Can you see me and hear me okay? Yep, I got you. Thanks for, for having me on. Great to have you here. Um, all right, so you wrote a post. Now, um, this was, when was that? It was like six weeks ago? Right? No, it wasn't that long ago. Really? The no. real-time tracking? Tell me more. No. Tell me. Tell us about the post. And if you, you mean, think you remember too many conferences, man. Oh, man you, you're stuck in hotel time. <laughs> dude, what's going on? Uh, but I, well, I mean, you know, in, in the 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 original post was was uh, well, I'll give you a little background for folks that don't know me. Um, been in the car business forever, from retail to wholesale to to auto transport, and now I run a company that that uh, consults with people in the transportation industry, uh, primarily auto haul, right? 
And recently I had three separate clients. This is what started this whole, this whole post. I had three separate clients, right? Um, two vehicle manufacturers and a, and a large, uh, uh, you know, auto dealership group. Uh, none of them are related, but, uh, they, they came and asked me the, the, the same question. Okay. Uh, the question was, how do we utilize non-asset based and smaller regional carriers in our network and still have visibility into real-time tracking? Okay. Well, first of all, that's encouraging, right? Because what are they telling us? Traditionally, only the, the large, the big guys, Jack Cooper, uh, Hanson, you know, those guys had access to the, to the manufacturers, right? And they're saying, we're looking at different ways to do this now, right? We're, we're looking at, 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 at using smaller carriers. That's encouraging because we've never really had access to that, that market as, as smaller carriers, right? Uh, and now if all these conversations would have happened over the course of a year, I probably would have just shrugged it off. But they all happened within one week, right? One week. So that that's a sign that something's coming, folks. Right. So all right, within one week, you had three different customers wanting to know more about real time tracking of right. carriers and delivery. And the reason right. and the reason this is important is because when we go to the carrier, like I made a I made a short video about this. And I was getting thumbs down and, you know, this and that. And, and I have a habit of, of getting that because I talk about things that, I mean, it's tough stuff. Listen, I know carriers don't want to be tracked. Take that. Is right. that true? Well, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm having a hard time understanding why. And and I've worked with organizations where, where I mean, the, the tracking compliance or the participation, I don't like the word compliance, uh, but it was pretty high. And I've worked with companies that it was really low, right? Um, I mean, I reached out to my other contacts in the, in the business after, after these conversations and, and, you know, shippers, brokers, and, and come to find out a lot of them are already talking about this too. So this is not like an isolated incident. They're all trying to figure out how to implement a system for, that would re require carriers to utilize real-time tracking. And that, right. it, it's a big topic. And why do shippers want that? Well, I mean, for a, for a well, lot that of... It seems like a ridiculous question. Right. For, for a lot of reasons. I mean, realistically, it's about money, right? It's, it's about, uh, I mean, shippers, brokers, and carriers spend millions a year on the, I call it the phone tag rodeo, right? The, the, uh, trying to get, get a hold of people to find out about statuses, about ETAs, about, you know, all this manual tracking in, you know, one car, that's six different, six different phone calls back and forth. It's millions of dollars a year that people spend in lost time and wages on this. Uh, shippers and brokers, I tell you, don't want that expense. Uh, the, the market has changed, the car market especially, and, and people are starting to sweep the corners and they realize that they're spending millions of dollars a year answering the where's my car phone call. Right. Okay. Right. right? Okay. So when we talk about dollars and we're cost, talking about dollars. It's, yep. it's human time, money and energy and everything else actually having to find out where somebody is rather than just be able to see the pin drop on the phone. 
Is that right? right? Well, and, and exactly that. And, and I mean, obviously, especially with manufacturers and stuff, and the large dealership groups now are moving to a just-in-time model. And I mean, I've had a customer ask me, hey, you know, when you send me that little, that little uh, report on the condition on my car, can that go straight into my fixed operations side so they know to order paint, know how many guys to recon this car, that I'm going to need a right. tire? Perfect. Right? So all this stuff is connected, you know, right. and that's what the, what the car business is becoming now. Very connected. Well, it seems again, it's not it seems, about cool guy technology, you know. It's cool stuff. Cool the guy nerds, technology, but, right. but but their but their accountants and their lawyers are saying get this done. So what's that's one of the things I think that because when you look at the volume, let's say you look at a software like when I've had a, a chance to see like Freight Verify or Cognosis, mm-hmm. and you're looking at software that's managing. I mean, we're talking thousands, tens of thousands of vehicles. You don't have time to call even a hundred trucks. Nope. You don't have time. So, but let, Gary's got it in the live chat. Carriers don't want to be tracked because they don't want brokers and shippers calling them, asking them why they are 20 miles off route. Is there a way to do the technology so it's, you know, it's the best of both worlds? Like I said to Sue, can we do Monday through Friday, eight to five within 10 miles of your location technology? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, one, uh, you know, people get this mistake that that the the shipper wants to know that you're at grandma's or at the Flying J or, you know, everybody has to everybody has to eat. Everybody has to get gas. Everybody has to stop for the bathroom. Right. They don't care. They want to be able to look and go, how far away are you? Because they know you have other customers unless they rented the whole truck. Right. And that, that's part of, of uh, us educating shippers. You know, there's the one car price and there's the nine car price, right? And uh, and if you want it from New York to Texas in one run, it's the nine car price, right? If it, if, okay, if it's and maybe one, if you get the nine car price, you don't get the tracking. Can you do that? Well, well no, you get the nine car price. Well, no, what I'm saying is you're buying it. The price is the price. You're just paying nine times as much, whether he's carrying one car or not, right? If you want your car to go straight from New York to Texas, you got to pay for that, right? No one, no one cares where you're at exactly. They want to know how far are you away from me. Okay. Right? Well, we know that. All right. So let's say because um, most most, I, most tracking solutions don't don't provide that granular of a detail. They don't. Okay. And so, but why would a carrier carrier be worried about? I'm not saying it's it doesn't have its place, and sometimes you got to go way out of your way to pick up car. Things happen and this right. kind of stuff. But, you got another customer. They don't care. The shipper doesn't care. They want to know. They don't care what you're doing besides when do I get my car. Okay, now if if the carrier sees that that little pin not move for three days, he's going to be. I mean, the the shipper they're going to be concerned, right? Okay, okay. so okay. Is it, no is one there... cares about your twenty. Who knows? There's construction. <laughs> they don't care. That's too much brain damage. They, they don't care. And they, they just don't know they're not, how long will it be till I get my car so I can get the guys to recon to get out here. I agree with you. Because the thing is, is, is there this, is there, a, it seems like, especially within like surveillance, camera, compliance, tracking technology, that as soon as there's a camera on there, you think that it's staring at you 24 7. Right. No one's no. staring at the screen measuring the pin movement every, are no, they? No, 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 no. no once, a, once a day or, 
somebody that's responsible for that fleet will pull up that that dashboard and they can see you know most of the technologies out there uh you know i i I don't know if Marco's been on yet or not. His company's got a great technology. There's a lot of folks that, that you can see all your cars in motion at once, right? And they're just basically little pin drops, you know, on, on the map. And and that's all a guy wants to know is how long is it going to be before these get here, right? We got, about, we got about five more minutes before we're going to bring in the panel. But this is really good. And we actually – so Marco's going to be on the panel um and uh and here's joe joe's going to be on the panel tonight actually it's as much about the cost of revenue being moved from the shipping yards to floor plan and the compliance requirements that go along with the customers reporting requirements um manufacturers deal with big data they aren't looking for just one truck and there's unless there's some anomaly right you're not i I just read an article about you know i get stuff all the time about the trucking business and you know this guy wants to sell me Driver-facing cameras. Are you kidding me? Right? Apparently, that's a thing now. I couldn't stand that. Can you imagine driving for 12 hours knowing that that some guy in Indianapolis is looking at a monitor and watching you, you know, eat your sandwich? But isn't this common? I mean, isn't it pretty common? This this is not what we're talking about. Right. You know, so that's the thing that I think people get wound up about that. Uh, But, I mean, I... That's why that I think is the thing. I, well, I wanted to find out. We are wound was, up about you know, surveillance. I want to hear it from the horse's mouth. I want to know why this, because I mean, it's going to happen. You know, unfortunately, uh, you know, this, this process is common and we can either as an industry, we can figure it out. Okay. So or that's the what I'm or the, fit, or the shipper will figure it's, it out for it us. It is happening. And we're not going to like that. It's coming. It totally. It's going to stink. It's happening. Right. Yeah, it's going to and you're okay. So, talk, going back to your clients, because are there not contracts now, state including things like, look, look we're going to know where the car is. Oh, absolutely. I mean, recently I worked for a, a, a large, you know, large traditional freight brokerage, right? And it, I found out it's not uncommon in their world at all to literally dock a carrier's payment for a load for not complying with, with time, real time tracking. It's in the rate contract, right? And the problem is these shippers that move paint and parts and brake pads and tires, they're, they're moving cars too. And they're like, why can't, is the, the question was originally, is the technology not available for auto haulers to do this? Unfortunately, it is. Then why can't we get them to do it? And, and what's it, the answer? Yeah, what, what, right, what about Right, so I mean, I'm desperately trying to find this out. Yeah that in a way that makes sense for for carriers right i mean big companies are going to be big companies carriers every single day 88 uh, percent of the carriers in the world are are one truck they're fighting for their lives they're trying to feed their family right there's no i can take a million dollar loss there's no such thing oh, right right well yeah no you need every good paying load is do we right. have any statistics or information about the number of carriers that just will not turn their GPS on. Uh, in, and is that what we're talking about? Do they have tradi- it, right? right? It's well, just an on-off. Is that it? Right. Show show my location for for auto haulers. Mostly it's the app. Show my location, right? On their on their phone. Uh, but if if carriers use you know um, macro point or anything like that, those technologies are always on too. You know, and it's it's a case of 
Uh, for a traditional freight, it's about 12% don't comply because they lose their money. Uh, in auto haul, if they, if they haven't, nobody I know does that yet. But uh, I mean, even the best I've ever seen was a company that had about 64% of their carriers actually participated in it. Two thirds. Right. So, I mean, this is a, pro this is a real problem. I've seen some that are just the opposite. Right. It's like Two thirds would not. That will not do it. And so, isn't the logic, it's going back to Gary's, you know, Gary's comment. Isn't the logic, if you don't turn it on, now I have to call you. Correct. And now, now you're on my radar, right? Because, I mean, I, I can guarantee you I've sat and in, in, in done the RFPs. Enough RFPs in, in, this, in this industry have been decided. Price is close. Uh, number of trucks is close. Reliability, all that. RFPs have been decided on what's their tracking. Right. Thank you. SLA. Right. Well, no. S that, that's what's it. an SLA. Tell us what's an SLA because I know yeah, a lot of people. There are people that don't know. A service level agreement. It's, okay. it's what it's when you shake the customer's hand and say the car will be there in five days. All right. Perfect. Right. So we got the SLA. We've made we made some level of promise. Now to make sure that the SLA looks like it's happening as delivered, which is why I talk about the disconnect between sales and operations. Four days have gone by. Nobody knows where the car is. Right. We have a problem. Right. Well, and that's the thing. The the, the shipper will go out to the dock and go, hey, Johnson, where are those six cars from Memphis? Oh, I don't know. So now he goes back into his office, calls the salesman. Hey, where's my car? Salesman looks it up on the board. There's no pins. I don't know. Let me call you right back. He runs down to the dispatcher. Hey, man, the customer's hair is on fire. Where's his car? I don't know. Let me call him. Calls the carrier. The carrier goes, oh, I don't know. Let me call the driver. Right? And then this whole cycle comes back. <laughs> right. right. So now we're talking about six hours, 12 it's phone calls. Funny. I'm laughing because you, if you order a pen on Amazon, I know exactly where it is. This well, is the problem. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, nobody, it, yeah, if I, if I want my pizza, I, I want that level of tracking. But I just need to know, are you in Memphis? Well, when you're at Memphis, and by the way, when you turn off GPS, you could be a hundred miles away. But since it's off, it looks like the car is still sitting in sitting the right there. Location. That yep. is part of the problem too. So, you know, I'm, I, I'm crazy. That's that's. I just want to get some feedback. What the what what the big deal is? Right. Well, and I'll tell you I mean, what. I want to understand it. That's all. Know, and you know what? I would love to do a focus group with carriers. That'd be great, like a like a carrier advisory group, right? You know, but it's very hard to get car carriers are so busy; they're oh, yeah. the hardest Hopefully. ones to nail down to get onto a panel and a program. We'll still keep trying to get a focus group panel of carriers, um, but we'll never get the focus group of the carriers that refuse. Right. Right. Why would they? The only do people that want to make the industry better are the guys that want to make the industry better. And they're the ones that probably turn the GPS right. on. But right. I'm, I mean, I'm speculating. I'm not here to make enemies. It's no. a side effect of the show. But I mean, you know, uh, it's uh, this is a crazy issue. Do me a favor. Let's start up the panel. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Stick around, and we're going to do tracking car haulers panel discussion here on ATI. Stick around. We'll be right back. Today, guys, we're going to be calling AK Turbo Transport Inc. from Jacksonville, Florida. His name is Andy. We're going to be giving him a call today. Good luck. Yeah, 
have some exciting news for you today. Oh, great. Gonna win some money? Me and my sidekick, Maverick, here today. We do a random drawing, and this morning we did a drawing. And Maverick, will you please tell him what are the three things that you have to do in order to win? You must book a load on Super Load Board, you must use Super Pay, and you must be a verified carrier. And you are the lucky load winner. So, yeah, we're excited. So we are giving you a call to let you know that you have won $250. $250. Anything we could ever do for you, please let me know. Okay, great. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Yay! Hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. I will. Thank you. And, and, and you too. That was a success, everybody. Stay tuned as we continue to conquer the carriers on Super Dispatch. The next evolution of moving cars faster, smarter, and easier is here. Super Pay by Super Dispatch. Today, shippers waste hours managing fragmented payment systems. And carriers are left wondering, never knowing when they'll finally get the payment they're owed. Super Pay saves everyone time and hassle by securely automating payment upon proof of delivery. No more tracking down payments or onboarding carriers to disconnected payment systems. With integrated payments with SuperPay, Super Dispatch is now the only end-to-end, all-in-one auto transport platform. Automate payments where you automate transport. Super Dispatch, TMS, mobile app, Super Loadboard, and SuperPay helping carriers, dispatchers, brokers, and shippers move cars and get paid fast on one auto transport platform, visit superdispatch.com. And be the lucky load winner. Um, check that out, links are in the live chat. Okay, here we go. We have the panel cooking ready and uh, Skip got us all warmed up. So please do help me wish a warm welcome to the Tracking Car Haulers Tuesday night panel. Um, who wants to pick up where we just left off? Anybody have a thought? Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. yeah, somebody take it. This is rugby. Grab the ball. Yeah, let, let me let me throw a couple uh, comments out there, and then you know certainly open up the rest of the panel. But um, you know, my personal opinion on this is that um, consumerism over the course of COVID, and especially now over the last couple of years, has really done a lot to push thought process of hey we should have the ability to track cars when they're being moved, right? Those consumers who were stuck in their homes for a while and were using Amazon or using Grubhub or using, you know, getting their groceries delivered to them, there was always a way to track, right, where those were. When would they be delivered? When are they en route to you? And then obviously people make up corporations. So when we finally got out of COVID and people returned to their jobs, that thought process of consumerism of I should be able to track, and Jay, you mentioned it, a $5 pen on Amazon, I should be able to track my car shipments as well. So I think that has done a lot to put it into a prevalent position as far as people and corporations asking for it. I do think there's a couple challenges and I'll just give a couple of them quick and then certainly wanna hear from the rest of the panelists on it. But in the auto transport space, it doesn't quite work the same way as general logistics, very specialized. 
You have carriers that might be hauling a load for one individual or company, but there's other carriers who might be hauling multiple vehicles along a lane or a route. And because of that, they're going to make multiple stops. They may not literally go linear from point A to B. They may make multiple stops across the route. So I think there's important to have an education process for the end consumer so they understand some of those specialized nuances of auto transport. And that's personally why I'm a little biased here. But when you're an auto transport management company like we are, that's part of our job is to help out that education to consumers that you mm -hmm. might not get if you're using a load board or an exchange board or just connecting directly with a driver so that we can help shield the drivers almost a little bit so that the consumer understands if my driver suddenly is 50 miles in the opposite direction, that's not a red flag that something wrong is going on. That just means he's running a certain lane or a route. So I think that is a challenge with opening up tracking. And I did see one of the carriers in the chat mention, I'm going to deal with a million questions as to why am I suddenly 20 minutes you know, off course or what have you. My other thought, Jay, is that the challenge, and this is probably more so on the transport management side as opposed to an asset-based carrier, is that you are dealing with so many different apps as a driver. And every one of those apps probably need to be enabled for tracking. You may be dealing with five, six different brokers across the route that require you to use five, six different apps on your phone. So I think the challenge for carriers is, how many of these apps do I need to use to get, you know, a, a lane run from A to B? And I think that makes it difficult because a lot of companies are utilizing their own technology, require you to use their own app. So if you're hauling for multiple brokers, you don't have one universal app that you can necessarily use to turn on that will give them insights as to where your vehicle is. So, you know, us personally, that's why CN made the decision that we were going to use a third party app for our TMS in hopes that a lot of carriers would adopt this and they could use that same app and enable that same tracking for us, even if they were hauling cars for other brokers. So that was kind of my initial thought by listening to what you guys were saying before we came on. And I'll kind of, you know, be quiet now because, yes, I'm one of the Italians on the panel. And, Jay, I'll go on for hours. Well, well done. So Good job. I'll Jumping go. right yeah. in. Awesome. I love it. All right. All right you, brought, got, you brought a lot of points. I got a lot. I, yeah. I started making notes in my pen dot, so I got another pen. I was going to say, Jay's got one on Amazon. It's coming. He's tracking it now. Well, I got, I'm going to, we're going to talk about Amazon for a minute. For, for starters, something that Marco said that's right, that's absolutely dead on right, is that people have this perception that, okay, well, I can track my pen from, you know, wherever to wherever. But that's actually not true. That, you know, you don't actually see where the origin is. You mm. see when it hits one of the, um, whatever they call it, mixing centers or fulfillment centers or whatever. Prior to that, that's point, not the mixing center I wanted. Yeah, well, prior right. to the prior to well, there, there's a little of that we can talk about in a minute. It's kind of a side. In, well, I'll make a note. <laughs> mixing center. <laughs> yeah, put hey Joe, let's put a pin in that. Put a pin in that. Yeah, put you you like that. that one? Huh? Yeah, I like that. So, so um, put a pen in that. So anyway, you <laughs> when you when you. When it, it does, it works a little bit differently in car hauling because the the pen by the time the uh, the pen is being tracked, it's produced, it's in a warehouse, it's been probably shipped to a warehouse in a fulfillment center that where you know big data has said we're going to sell a million pens in Minnesota 
So we're going to drop these in St. We're going to put a million pens in St. Paul so that that way the supply is good for a year. And the next million pens will go to Atlanta and the next million will go to, I don't know, Portland or Toronto. Or, that's not how cars are built. When you buy your car new, you are ordering a VIN that has not yet been made. Not the same. The awesome majority of cars that are built today are literally built to order. And a lot of the reason for that is because the manufacturers are building those cars at the factory with all those factory got, you know, gadgets and, and features and packages. Because if they were to let that go to the aftermarket, it inflates the cost of the car. Okay. Now, something that Marco said is really important. You know, you expect that a car is going to be, or you, you expect the pen is going to take you whatever, two, three days for it to get from, from A to B. Well, it can take months and months and months for people to, to sign on the bottom line for their financing and actually receive their car. Okay. It could be, I, I'm not, I, I'm not going to even judge. I, I don't know. I have not bought a car anytime this year, certainly since 2020. So I'm not the right guy to be able to say how long it takes to get from, you know, from invoice to, to de delivery, but it is not the same pace as a pen. Okay, comparing Amazon and the auto shipping business is not even apples to oranges. It's apples to chickens. They're 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 not in the same place. They're, they don't do but the Carvana same, same day delivery. It's here because the car is already built. Mm. They're buying a right, car so that's already there. Used. They that's have good. the inventory. Fair. They just they already they know where that car is because it's in their inventory somewhere in the in the, the greater scape. New new vehicles. Not the same. Okay, Not so same. new vehicles and used vehicles fall into different buckets on Absolutely. GPS tracking. Okay. Well, Not even close. And, well, see, and Joe, and that's, and that's the thing. That's, that's you know, when, when I've been talking to the manufacturers, that's that's the new part is, is I mean, they've already been hauling from the factory to the marshalling yards to whatever with these big guys, you know, like Jack Cooper and stuff. And now they're saying, how do we involve smaller regional carriers? But we still want the same level of service those other guys gave us. So there's our there's our issue is. But those are different things, though. So well, even, if, even if it's coming from the GM factory in Detroit, and now Jack Cooper carries it, they they scan it out of, out of out of the yard. It's it's done. They've done a condition report. They they use Macro Point to track it every inch of the way on the ELD until it's signed for at the dealership. The the manufacturers are saying, okay, but we don't have that. Like you said, now that they're made to, made to order, we're not moving a thousand cars to Toronto now or to, to Nashville or to where we're moving five. Right. We, okay. Giant companies, Hanson Atkins, all those guys, they, they Sierra Mountain, whoever they can't, they, they're not, they're not sitting around to move five cars. Right. Okay. Okay. So, but, but, but but hold on now. Hold on now. So so for num for starters, don't confuse the 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 SLA service level agreement that you have in in the course of a contract and the performance of the course of an OEM contract with the fleet size of a carrier, because those two things don't always go together. There are plenty of massive fleets that have that, that 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 struggle 
at one location or another. And for myriads right. of reasons, sometimes it's you know self-inflicted, sometimes it's not. So so this, the SLA for the manufacturers gen- generally is pretty static. So if you're if you're I, I, think of the first manufacturer that comes to your mind. I don't care what it is. I'm going to tell you that the first manufacturer that comes to your mind and the one that comes to my mind, and I've shipped every single car that, that rolls in North America, I guarantee you that their service agreement is not that much different, whether it's two days, so I'm three jumping days, in here five days. Because it, it, it's really not that We different. are doing apples to chickens. You know, uh, the thing is, Joe, I hadn't thought so much about the OEM new car off the line. I could see that being either the apple or the chicken and then the used car and the auction the thing is and because and i mean granted because that is that is definitely i think that that has a a place in this conversation um but getting back to the driver the carrier turning on gps location because that is that's that is the issue whether the vehicle be can be tracked and your point about the mixing and sorting station is well taken you get a point that was I mean, that's a good point. And I put in the, the live chat that, you know, a, a pizza tracker, and I don't like at comparing cars to pizzas. I hate it. But... No, do you want people to treat your car like they treat your pizza? Hell no. What? No, it's I don't. But, but the pizza tracker, you can tell what stage of the order your pizza is. And it's that kind of basic... Because getting back to it, Skip and Marco, I think you'd say... Your, your shipper on the SLA has a certain expectation of knowing at least what state their car is in. Okay. And that's, right? Isn't that yeah, where so, we're supposed to be? So, so, so let, I, the, the reason I made the distinction is because, is because, you know, if you want to understand what the root cause is, you have to extract all of the other, the other stuff that, that really is a distraction. Okay. And, and, and a lot of the, the, the notion of such simpl- overly simplistic, in my opinion, comparisons to automobiles and pizza or pens or, you know, whatever the hell else you get on, on Amazon or whatever, you know, there is a tremendous distinction between the, the, the fact, number one, that all of those products have, were already built, probably were built a month and a half ago, probably built six months ago in a foreign place that went that had to go through customs and all of those you know if you were actually to examine the life cycle of a i, I, I don't know robot vacuum okay but i'm going to jump something. in here you 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 know on the on the yard if again going back to some of those high level technologies global auto tracking technologies you can see every car on the lot in the hundreds right so, so where I'm going with this, though, okay. Jay, is that, and, and, and really for the team, is that, you know, the, 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 the green, what matters is when the green flag goes up, which is when, you're, was, which is when the car hits pavement from, you know, for, to be shipped out to deliver, okay? And there is some reasonable amount of time, and this is the point I was making before about how all the manufacturers, doesn't matter who they are, every one of them has some metric, some KPI mm-hmm. that says, this is what we define as a reasonable amount of time, okay? Some of them are pretty static. Some of them are real severe. Some of them have caveats galore. You know, they, they're, they're all over the place. But, you know, they, they all have some sort of, of, of KPI that says, this is what we define as a reasonable amount of time to be able to perform this particular service task. 
And then after that, you know, the point of, of, of vehicle uh, pickup to vehicle delivery. Now, I would argue that if you were to look on the whole, you know, there's always exceptions to everything, especially when you get into big data. But I would argue that on the whole, generally speaking, those SLAs are really not that different. And I would argue that on the whole, when I'm in Kansas City, so I'm just going to pick on Kansas City, when Kansas City... Is, is struggling, probably the rest of North America is also struggling. When Kansas City is ahead of the curve, plus or minus, based upon regional differences, by and large, the rest of North America is also basically on the same on the same curve. The only the exceptions might be fleet orders. They sometimes throw some spikes here and here and here and here and here. And I've worked in these larger uh, organizations where there are bigger fleets and bigger orders and those kinds of things that have to be digested by the carrier. Uh, on the whole, generally speaking, there's an ebb and flow to the way that inventory comes and goes within our industry. There are two times a year we're always slow. There are, there are about five, six months a year we're always busy, except for Florida, which is the craziest state I've ever seen. Anyone that's in Florida, I'm sorry, I don't understand your state and the way that it, car shipping works there. But the rest of the world, by and large, generally speaking, has an ebb and a flow. Everybody gets busy at the same time. Everybody gets slow at the same time. Now, this brings me to my next bullet point, which was something Mark, Marco said that I think is magnificent, which has to do with when you have multiple manufacturers on the same truckload. This happens all the time, especially in the OEM world where, you know, carriers tend to have a density around areas. That's just how that works. Carriers are going to evolve towards the places where they can provide the best value and the best service, and the manufacturers sit there and say, oh, yeah, so-and-so carrier, you know, they're in, out of Denver. <laughs> so we know that they have a good presence in Denver. They'll do a good job for us. And I believe that, by and large, those, that, you know, that is one of the decisions that drives who is ending up with what amounts of traffic. Now, what happens when a truck has half of brand A and half of brand B on it, but, the, but brand A and brand B don't report to the same places. It creates a tremendous problem for the carrier because now you are reporting multiple EDIs in multiple directions. And the thing is, what happens, let's say, for example, um, I'm, I'm going to make this up, but brand A has a, a dealership that's 50 miles away. Brand B's dealership is 100 miles past that. We would never build that load, but let's say we did. Does brand A's feed stop at fifty at the fifty-first mile? How do you manage that? How well, do you not, tell not, the computers not to do that? And that's not, a huge issue. Well, Joe, here, here's my question then. So, could we not find a common technology like like freight uses macro point, right, or four kites? What, but majority use macro point. If every app connected to a common reporting stream wouldn't that not solve the problem if they would if the manufacturers would do that the answer is yes correct i've never seen that happen well that's that's what i'm saying they're they're out there right now looking for answers how how to do this how to, how to i mean gm has threw up their hands and said we'll just pay dealerships a thousand bucks to come get their own cars well Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I mean, but I mean, you see the level of 
Well, GM also said they're buying a private fleet, and I'm not saying that that they aren't doing either of those things, but they're throw they're throwing a lot of darts right now. And, right. and and by the way, God bless them for it because they they need to do that in order to be able to get their product to customers. God bless them. Right. But so that, that's what I'm saying. in your opinion, if we could find, uh, uh, you know, an outside entity like like Mac, uh, and I use MacroPoint just because it's common in freight, but something like that that everybody could agree on that's the standard. Do you okay. think that's solved it? So so, I'm going to say this, and I and I, I we we joke about this in the, in uh, where I work, and um, it's, we we call it rule number one, which is. Every manufacturer has had their own experience. Every manufacturer has built their systems to cater around that experience. And no two of them, although they're close, no two of them are the same. Right. And so this has been the struggle, is how do you deal with the economic values of, of manufacturer A and manufacturer B, one who has a relatively complicated mechanism and one who has a much more simplistic mechanism how do you deal with those with those types of problems yeah. now that is a different discussion than what we're talking about here because the game changer would be if we had a car hall 901 or 902 everything else is different after that happens right but in the 26 years i've been doing this there's no car hall no 901 there's no car hall 902 and right. so we struggle with this particular problem over and over again also too manufacturers have a tendency to differ in how they want their data sent to them. Sometimes, I mean, I mean, it's not really something as simple as five minutes or 15 minutes or anything else like that, but rather what milestones are important to you. A lot of that has to do with how their financial reporting has to go. It's not about service. It's about Sarbanes-Oxley and being able to conform to the various fiduciary requirements that they have to report on a, on a monthly, quarterly, and annual basis. And so as a result, you know, the transfer of millions and millions, well, probably probably hundreds of millions of dollars of stock from, you know, this yard to that dealership can have a tremendous impact on what the earnings outlook is that they report to shareholders. And they want to take advantage of every single bit of that. So, you know, the way that they all do that is all a little bit different. And that's one of the bigger problems that I see here is, is that the manufacturers, I don't want to say it's not they're on the same page because they are operating from a generalized playbook, but despite the fact that they're act, operating on a generalized, relatively consistent playbook, they all choose different ways to report essentially the same things. And this is where I, you know, this is why I say if there was a standardized 901, 902, different scenario, but there's not. This is what we're, what we're butting up against today. Yeah, I just want to bring up two two quick points is that everything we're talking about, I think, is a good discussion, you know, focusing on OEMs or even remarketing. But there's another side to that coin, which is that POV space. And yep. that's something that we heavily play in. And that's a little bit different because the car is at origin and we know exactly where it's going. But, you know, POV and again, that's a little bit more towards the consumerism where their idea or their KPI, if you will, it's probably going to be vastly different than a larger corporation like an OEM. So there are aspects where their expectations of tracking is, tell me when I'm going to get my car and show it coming to me. And they might be staring at the screen. That's right. They might be staring at that. They are looking at the pizza oh my gosh. to say, when is it coming? Um, the only other point I want to bring up, and this just goes a little bit with what Joe said, the other difficulties with the large OEMs, in my opinion, is their concern about potentially using 
an agnostic depository where their data is going and somehow that data being compromised to where other competitive OEMs might somehow have the ability to see that data because listen, in this business, if you know how to utilize that data, you can find out a lot about yep. what people That's a great are doing, point. what they're paying. So that's just another aspect to add in, um, you know, to go with that, that kind of question that you brought up is what if there was just one universal source that everyone can use? I think theory, that's absolutely the logical play, right? That, that A plus B equals C, but there's so much that goes into that when it comes to data and privacy and protection that I think it scares some manufacturers. Even in the POV space, when you're dealing with brokers, how but, many brokers have their own app out there that but, the reason why they have their app is they don't want to share that data with other third party entities who would be able to understand what, what their business diagnostics is. So but I, my, I, my I, third point, app fatigue. Great point, Marco. So, the, But I want to jump in and say we, we keep talking about this as if the, this is a manufacturer issue, but going back to carriers not turning on their gps now carriers are say well yeah because i'm looking out for the manufacturer that doesn't want their data to be shared with other manufacturers you see what i'm saying like i mean again it's yeah, apples and chickens but the driver and carrier aspect and i'd love to hear if we have any carriers you know listening in right now Me but too. i tend to agree with joe that the main factor i think for carriers jay even outside of that point you brought up is exactly what joe said app how many times do I need to use an app to haul my freight from A to B because I'm dealing with X number of different brokers or hauling X number of different brands? That's taxing on a carrier. And I, I understand that from their point and their perspective. A very unpopular well, also, topic, by the way. Also, too, by the way, also, too, just let me just put a little bit of, of um, uh, what do you call it, uh, technical spin on this. The reason why that's the case, the reason why it's done that way is because most of the of the brokers who sent in order for them to get paid, there is a particular uh, series of transactions that have to take place. And if you're not the one shepherding those transactions, then your payment could be delayed or absolutely defunct after a certain period of time. And so in the end, you know, it, it is in the broker's interest to ensure that that transaction performs exactly the way it is supposed to in order for you to be able to protect the revenue that you generate. Now, um, I, can, I can't speak for other brokerages. I know that there are some brokers who have stricter rules than others. I heard before a comment or two about uh, how there are penalties related to, you know, nonconformances and, and things like that. Put all that in, put all that aside. In 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 my particular experiences case, if you allow the app compliance to slip, the amount of uh, person hours that are required to be able to recover a bona fide delivery that could have absolutely legitimately happened and had been as clean as possible is so large that it often exceeds the, 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 the benefit of the receiver. Yeah, the margin of the car. Yeah. And at that point, you know, why would you do this if you can't make a dollar at it? Well, and, see, and, and, and Joe, that, that's the point, though. You've got these folks that are saying, 
that's not happening for uh, you know customers. They're saying that's not going to happen. That's not happening. You know, our provider says they've got this technology, right? Okay. I, well, the right they might okay. want okay. They might want to pick a better provider, but they're saying we're going to we're going to start putting this into the contract. We're going to require that it happen, and if not, we will not pay the broker. So, so from as a carrier who is asset based with a brokerage, I'll say that uh, we already do conform with several of these particular programs. Right. It's part of right. the project, part of the deal. So, you know, um, I'm not one of the big carriers that you named, but I absolutely, you know, right. You well, play, but you know, you know the guys. If you want to play in the national leagues, then this is how it goes. Yep. All right. So, w- with that said, um. Oh, how do I want to put well, this? You know, I picked people that aren't on the panel to, to talk about. That's fine. <laughs> With that well, said. Well, this is a big discussion. I mean, that's why. Oh, I told it. I told Jay I was coming loaded, baby. Well, <laughs> I know. Well, and then, I mean, this is a this is a complicated issue. What's, what I yeah. find so interesting is we've migrated from why the carrier does or doesn't to the manufacturer. Well, so I'm I'm actually really I'm I'm really trying to get to David <laughs> because that's what this boils down to is that you know this really is a technology based issue. Yeah. At the end of the day, and I said this earlier, if we had a consistent reporting platform across everything, where you know there was some sort of of I mean we have we have standardized damage codes. You know why can't we have a standardized you know, delivery code. And it, and it's, you know, my experience has been because of all of these things that we battle. Um, I think the key here is that, you know, um, when you go from fleet-based to brokerage-based, ultimately, the people who are sending and receiving the EDI transaction to the customer, they all come to the same conclusions. It doesn't matter if they have a fleet or they don't. These are the same, they reach the same conclusions. We have to have this, 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 and this. And if there is not compliance with this, 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 and this, it becomes a business decision about how hard you want to, to fight for your revenue or how, whether you want to protect a particular carrier or a particular company or a particular, you know, whatever, and, and enterprise. We battle this every day in the business that I do, okay? Um, I would love to see it easier. But I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, for me, I feel like it's the incentives are misaligned, right? So you have manufacturers and brokers who are creating, you know, their own uh, proprietary technology or leveraging multiple TMSs, and it just creates, you know, multiple paths for data to be shared. And so, you know, going back to the perspective of the driver, you know, I think uh, Skip earlier said eighty-eight percent of drivers are one car or less. Um, and so what I'm thinking about, if that's if, if I'm in those shoes, I'm I'm assuming I'm hopping from load board to load board at that point. So I'm really not locked into any one technology or platform. So that, you know, in my opinion, it's I'm not really getting a benefit from one, because if I work with one broker one day, I have to use their app. They have to go to the next broker for my next load. And so that just creates, you know, inconsistent experiences, inconsistent um, experiences for not only the driver, but the broker. And then, you know, to Skip's earlier point about the, what'd you call it? The telephone 
rodeo or what, what was that telephone tag rodeo yeah telephone tag rodeo. yeah it just you get telephone tag rodeo going and you know it's frustrating because not only you know as a driver are you shielding you know fielding all these phone calls and text messages but every single person is going through the same problem and so you know i think about technology while it's feasible i'm not quite sure that the incentives are aligned for all of the players to want to to use that um, another point that I'd bring up as well, you lose a competitive advantage if you standardize some of these features, right? So if I'm a broker, you know, broker A, and I have this cool shiny new object that I can use to go pitch to my client, I want to use that so that I can win more market share. And so I think that's why you're seeing, I mean, and quite frankly, it's one of the reasons I'm employed because I help people build these kinds of tools. So the the pressure for brokers to create the next platform or next tool and the pressure for, you know, manufacturers or, or shippers, or any, you know, in, in Marco's case and on the POV side to create their own proprietary tools, it's all, you know, increasing everyone's ability to provide a competitive advantage. So that's what makes it very difficult to say that at some point we're all going to hop on this, you know, all in one solution that makes everyone happy. I think you're going to see more, uh, efficient verticals, but I don't think the industry at large will ever end up in a, in a space where they're all using one tool. Well, I'm, I'm, I mean, we're, we're not talking about the entire process though. You know, we're talking about, and, 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 and obviously backend, you could, you could, you know, user experience and backend are completely different, right? I mean, air, all you know to to Joe's point, the the EDI, all those boxes had to be checked, right? Well, that's that's a back end thing. When but the when we when we talk about, and and I think you know Marco, please don't don't feel like I was I was being aggressive or or uh, attacking you on on this uh, this point when I asked that one time, you know, because brother, you I know the the struggle about well, how are we enforcing you know this the customers are asking they're asking hey why can't you do this everybody can do everybody else can do it we've got you know less than truckload six six different customers can be on back on one truck and it's still tracked right um that's that's the thing they're asking why can't this be done is there not the technology well Obviously, there's a lot of cool stuff going on as far as, as how people run their processes and their and their apps and all that stuff. But we're talking about a basic building block of, I mean, you know, we we you know the, as as a business, it's we we move cars on time, in the condition they were right. received. Right. I'm gonna jump in. Okay, let me ask you this. So at its core, <laughs> we have technology that allows location services. And tracking, right? Should we be using it in the delivery of vehicles? I, I don't think I don't think there's going to be a choice here shortly. Right. We, we so the answer is yes. We should be using once it. once that tidal wave starts. It's it's not going to stop. Hasn't it started? It's already that's, started. That's what it's I'm already thinking. started. Yeah, it's already You're right. Started. Right. Exactly. So, but I'm, but I also think of, how do we get ahead of this and make it manageable for the carriers? Right. The people right. that I mean, whether you're a broker or or, or you know an asset based guy or whatever that's our product that's they're the guys with the shovels right how do we make this so this doesn't wreck because if we don't get ahead of it the shippers are going to do it 
and we're not going to like how that turns out. So what, what we offer to the carrier and our value proposition to them to allow us to track them and skip you're right it, it's it's something that we we do on our side here at mm -hmm. SYCN use for our shipments but our value proposition to the drivers who are hauling for us is it will cut down on the amount of communication points that you hear from us a of all b of all it will also lead to a better experience when you're delivering and dropping that car to the customer because we're educating them and keeping them in the loop as far as what and managing those expectations. So we use data not only to know where they're at on a GPS level on the map, but we also translate that here internally to provide estimated updates, knowing the route of the carriers and where they're going so that that end customer has an idea of when to expect that vehicle shipment to be delivered so then we're not playing that telephone roulette game to where they're calling us, we're having to call the carrier because we're being transparent about what the process is, but also, and this is what I said earlier, and this is the challenge with some shippers, I think, who might not have uh, relationships with carriers who do this, that they're relying upon load boards or they're relying upon exchange boards. There is an education that is needed so that they understand the specialized nature of auto transport logistically and the fact that, hey, your car might look like it's somewhere where it shouldn't be, but that's not because it's an issue. It's because of the nature of auto logistics. We right. will keep showing you positive impact. You'll keep seeing your estimated delivery day shrinking and shrinking until you ultimately get a call from that driver saying, I'll be there tomorrow. And then they call you saying, I'll be there in a couple hours a day of delivery. So that is what I think is the benefit and why we push so hard for our carriers to allow us to track them because we feel it makes life easier on the carrier in the long game. That's that's my opinion on it. You'd be surprised how many companies don't send that kind of information out on their customer onboard email. Just, hey, this is how we do business. They're just like, okay, we got your order. Thanks for your money. And they ship the car. So it's, it's crazy. I mean, you know, obviously, obviously they're the, the exception, but there's people out there that do business like that. And that's why they get the phone call. Can I ask a question? I mean, like, this, is it whether it's new vehicle uh, or, or uh, so. POV that's being moved, regardless of the two? I mean, how much of this is solved by an actual, like, accurate ETA? I mean, like, because it, 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 a lot of this seems like it really does boil down to whether or not we have a good ETA on the volume that we're right. shipping. Who cares if you can see else. some dot? If well, the but ETA's that's right. Yeah. Well, but that's that's, that's the thing is 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 like uh, the 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 dealership group that I was talking to. They you know they have twenty four dealerships, but one guy in that group is you know his team is in charge of met managing the transport for all these dealerships right and okay so i'm the guy you, that, that sees the the eta right well i've got a guy from the dealership going how long is it going to be till those cars are well it says tuesday well yeah but where are they at call them uh uh how about how about he can just look at it and see okay they're like six hours well wait 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 hold on time on, time on. Wait a minute. So, so 
does the dealership manage its own fleet or is that a, is that a, a they have, they, 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 they don't broker out that. Yeah. They, they basically, they, they manage their own transportation. Okay. They self-serve basically. Correct. Is correct. in this particular correct. use case. Yeah. They self-serve. Right. And, and, and the reason I asked that question and, and, and I'm sorry, this is, I don't mean to sound diminutive, but you know, this is basic stuff. If you're, if you are managing, well, fleet, we've already gone into your drivers are bill. like, that's, that, that, that's hard to late. Yes. Correct. Well, and, that, and that's what I'm saying. They're they're saying why can't you know uh, one the, the guy that that does the transportation for this one this one group, and they're probably I'd say in the top three in, in America. He came from a manufacturer, and he know and he came from from fleet and and multimodal before that. He knows freight can be tracked, and he's like, why can't it happen here? And so, so I mean, okay, but 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 if but if that's his problem, all the technology in the world ain't going to fix that. I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> I, I have no, I have no, con- I have no control way. over over their opinions. I only have control over what do we do when 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 they put these mandates on carriers. I understand. You know, uh, you you can you can talk to the folks at like Stellantis so you're blue in the face about. About you shouldn't build jeeps in jeeps in in France, and they're not going to listen, right? Right. So it, they're going to do what they're going to they're going to do. We either have to come up with a solution, okay, or Here's, deal with their, or deal with their solution. Here's right? Gary in the live chat. If everyone would just go about their day until they hear from the driver, problem solved. <laughs> you can't always go about no. your day until you hear from the driver, right? Why? Why can't you just go about your day until? And but Gary, thank you, thank you for adding that. I'm just talking about it as it's an issue, right? Because what happens with the client and the SLA and the shipper if you just let the driver, you know, let people know what happens? Well, that's if they do it. Oh, okay, so the, what happens if the driver doesn't show up and doesn't let anybody know what's going on? Then what happens? Yeah, I mean, you know, you know how many how many of my drivers at a at a at a previous company blocked like the ready logistics phone line. Anything that came across, it would just automatically go to investment. <laughs> they would okay. not answer, right? Uh, same with Did United. They, they would block all United loads? road calls. Okay. Right? Did they, could they could they continue to book loads through those companies? Oh yeah. Well, okay. I mean, eventually, eventually, no. Oh, oh! There isn't eventually no. Right. Okay. There's there's a, a no response DNU list, right? Marco, you gonna work with that? Your guys, nobody lets you know. They don't, right? What are you gonna do? No, I mean for for us is that, and I understand the point made by that statement. But what isn't, I think, necessarily known, and again, this comes into us being kind of a conduit between drivers and ultimately the business or the individuals who they're delivering to. There is planning going on for potentially that vehicle coming in that is impacted by trying to get an estimated idea of when it will be arriving. So it's not just dropping off that vehicle. There are other sub actions that are being arranged based upon trying to predict when that vehicle comes in. And the more accurate we're able to be and it's quickly providing accurate estimates as possible that is better in the eyes of a lot of our customers. So getting that call that, hey, I'll be there tomorrow, I'll be there in, in you know two hours, sometimes there's information and updates that are needed prior to that that might impact some of the things that are set up upon that vehicle when it finally gets delivered. At least that's our use case with a lot of clients that we service. 
And Marco, let me ask this question, and mm -hmm. this is just me. I, I, I have a, I have an answer all, all at the ready, but I, I, I want to know if I'm the if if I'm the anomaly here. But if you contact a client and say, "I just had a transmission blown, twelve tires, you know, obliterated, and the and the drive shaft we can't even find," and then you say. But hold on, here's my solution plan. I've got a trucking route to, to recover the load, and it will be there on blah, 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 blah day, whatever day. It'll be next Tuesday. How often was the other end not receivable or, or not receptive to that response in your mind? So, Joe, as long as we're up front and we don't wait until, hey, this is delivering today, but, oh, by the way, we found this out two days ago, right? Those are the hard calls to make. Yep. You make those calls because it impacts everything. So to your point, and it happens inevitably, you show me any company, whether you're a carrier or broker, that you don't run in that situation, you won't be able to find one. It's about being transparent with that customer as soon as you know. 100%. And, yep. I, think, and I think the point, and, I, and again, I, I, I was asking the question on, on purpose because I've made those calls. And as long as, and I have found that generally speaking, if you have a reasonable answer, as to why it is that your ETA was blown and you can explain how your recovery plan is going to look. You don't call the customer and say, we have no idea what we're doing right now. <laughs> Joe, that's the key. The it's not, not just letting them know what happened, but this is what we're going to do to fix it for you. Bingo. That's what it is. Yeah. Okay. Bingo. So, so wait a minute. So maybe the GPS tracking in the carrier because I'm going to keep going back to it because it's the tracking call hours is the title of the show. It, does the GPS tracking for the carrier need to be on at least for the broker or the company that hired the driver, but maybe not the shipper? So, I mean, depending, yeah, I mean, generally we're getting that information and we want to try and shield the driver from that end customer. So we're providing the updates to them, right, Jay? So in your example, you just said, as long as we're getting those updates and know what's going on, it's our job to communicate that to the shipper. And when the shipper has an issue with it or questions or ridiculous things like, why is it showing it's over there? It's the opposite direction from where I'm at. We're dealing with that and letting the carrier do his job and get that car safely and quickly transported. So in our case, we're the conduit to the end customer who protects our carrier partner as well from that, you know, not knowing how the industry works, so to speak. Right, gets into that education piece you were talking about. Yep, which is pretty absolutely. Interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, one of the things I've been thinking about a lot lately is like, what's the, what's the minimum amount of like notification? So we we started off talking about GPS, and while that technology does exist, it may be you know invasive to certain drivers. Um, so is it just providing those milestones of hey, I'm on the way? Hey, I'm four days out. Like, is that minimum amount of communication and updates to the broker and then on to the customer? Is that enough, I guess, psychologically for someone to say, I'm comfortable, I'm confident, this car is going to get here when I expect it, and it's going to reduce the back and forth calls between both dispatchers and drivers, and then, you know, dispatchers that work for the OEMs and the and the shippers as well. So it's kind of one of the ideas that I keep keep noticing or keep keeps coming up to top of mind and and I'd love to know what you guys think because I some sometimes I think you know if it's that simple that that could be enough to reduce you know the amount of communications and emails and phone calls that go out. Right. So David, to your point, for us is that generally with our end customers, 
what constitutes knowing what's going on with their car is generally when will it be delivered. And if we could shrink that window to dates as opposed to a pin on a map, we do that. Um, now that pin on the map that we get helps us deduce with some of our technology and logic when those dates change and how they alter. But ultimately at some point we might have a customer that says, hey, I'd like to know where my car is right now. And we would like to provide that information to them you know, when it's readily available. But you know, to your point for us at least, and I can only speak for what we do here, we're, our SLAs are so driven on dates is that that is the key indicator for us, our customer, is letting them know within that delivery window SLA, this is what we're on track for. And they see it shrinking and shrinking and shrinking until they get that call from the driver saying, I'll be there tomorrow, I'll be there in three hours. That's the key to our success. And that keeps the customer off the phone from us and off the phone to the driver. Again, going back to that telephone game uh, that we had talked about to start off the conversation. Yeah, because Mark, you're, you're, you're correct with the, a lot of our customers, they, ha they have to know, you know, I have a really, really good idea because am I scheduling four recon guys or am I scheduling 12? Okay, do I need the paint guys here on Tuesday or Wednesday? Do, you know, uh, there's a lot of stuff that we don't see once we hand the keys off. And, and in today's market, it's more important for those people to be able to turn those cars faster than ever. And, uh, and uh, uh, it has a lot to do with that. And, and truthfully, at the end of the day, the customer is saying, I'll pay you money if you do this. Well, that's kind of what we're in business for, right? You know, to, to Joe's point, there's a million different stipulations. Every contract's got some crazy thing in it. And we do it. Why? Because that's what the customer asked, right? If it's, if, if, if it's not dangerous or illegal, we'll usually do it, right? Because that builds that relationship. We don't have to, we don't have to think it's right or sensible. That's what they've asked. For. If they ask for my guys only, everybody that delivers my car shows up in a yellow hat. I'm gonna make sure everybody's got a yellow hat, right? It's it's not that big of a deal, and and that's that goes back to this. They're they're just trying to say, if it's not a big deal for the guy that dropped off the tires and the and the fenders this morning, why is it this guy drives the to them this guy drives the same kind of truck, right? Why can't he tell me, right? It's it's not a case of whether we we think it's it's valid or not. They do. The customer thinks it's valid. And that's that's the problem, you know. That's that's our question: is what? How do we how do we how do we solve that for them, right? Does that make sense? It does. But yeah. I would go back to my point, though, that there again, education again, education, education, right, Jay? I mean, that's I probably said this five hundred times on the call so far tonight. Well, I would argue that freight is yeah. different than auto transport. Folks. Right. I saw and, a freight comment yeah. in the live chat. Freight is different than auto transport. Right, but but the, the, the thing is, and chickens. By the way, from now on, I'm doing apples and chickens. Apples and radiators. Apples and oranges. Okay. Okay. Right, but but it, yes, the the freight is different. The, what what we do is different, but the truck that moves the 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 freight, right? The power unit is absolutely the same. If I can track the power unit that's hauling 500 cans of paint, I should be able to track the power unit that's moving my car. That's what the okay. customer is saying. So 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 the the guy that's driving the paint can load the cars and deliver them. Well, but see, there's your difference too, right? 
Does, does the guy, right. It is a difference. Right, okay. The guy, the guy that's moving the 500 cans of paint is sitting at the dock for three and a half hours on detention, waiting for somebody to unload him. Same thing, right? right? But the driver who's delivering the cars is dealing he with the unload him and load him, right. He's picking up. He's picking up in an origin that may or may not be 24-7, and he's delivering right. to anywhere between one and eight destinations that may or may not be 24-7. Right. And he has to deal with DOT logs and so on and so forth. Sure. So, so the point, so so it is How's not- it different though? I don't understand. It's, it's, not, it's actually not even apples and chickens. Oh. Car hauling is not the same thing as delivering freight. You, you can't compare the two. I do understand the, the essence of your argument, Skip, and I'm not trying right. to- it's not, my, it's not, it's not, a, 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 not my argument, that's no. I, right, really he's talking on behalf to... of the shipper, which yep. again is the ultimate. This goes back to your education, Marco. That's what I think is so interesting here. We're all talking about different facets of, I think, the same problem. Yeah, I think I think the key here is that what Skip's premise, and I'm not, and I don't disagree with it necessarily, is that if the if you let the manufacturers dream up the requirements, then it's going to be nasty. And I'm saying, okay, that may be true. They've already started dreaming up. So the push back a little, right? Or something before they get to it. Or yeah. something, yeah. They, they've all, no, point. no. They've already dreamed it up. Really and they've already point. started, and we're and and I'm not saying this from the. I'm, I'm breaking no new ground here when I tell you that we're all butting into a wall here. It is not an easy problem to solve as it sits right now. As well Half as the, always, keeping off GPS tracking is part of the. Well. Yeah, I mean, but but but, uh, but look at it from the standpoint of the asset carriers, and even from a certain perspective, from the asset of the brokerages, they want to protect the business that they've worked their butts off to be able to get. This is a and good so, point. You know, That's true. That is a really good point. So actually, negotiate the it goes back to in the SLA, don't promise the moon to the shipper, right? reasonable ETAs, but I guess if they're willing to pay for the moon, then sell them the moon? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I mean, I guess. Right. I, you know, the only, the only comment that I really want to add on here is that, you know, to Skip's point, you know, this day is coming and there is a point where we're going to get there, and I get that, and I think we all do. The problem is that the practical challenges that we're facing today, this ain't tomorrow, this ain't next month. I, I'm stunned if it's next year. I'm proud if it's three years from today, just at the pace of where we are. And I don't mean that because I don't think that it's possible. I mean that from the standpoint of having, you know, had experience with all of the different manufacturers that I've had, you know, every single one of them's priorities is different. And that's what you, that's what you bump up against is, is how do you manage all of that into one single source solution? Again, if we had a static reporting mechanism, by the way, every single person that provides invoices that's watching this is, is like rah-rah go teaming me right now when I say if we had a static invoicing process. One EBOL, right? Then we're in, baby. Let's go. Go! Go! Yeah. That, ain't that, that ain't today. That's part of it, too. That ain't you know, and, and at, at that point, if you had that standardization, to your point, it's almost like email, right? You could use whatever email system you want. You're going to get emails from your clients, mm -hmm. whether they're using an Android, an Apple, or what have you, because the process of email works the same for all of those. So you can still have choice, right, with whatever TMS you want to use. 
as long as they're getting that information in in a standardized format. Um, you know, imagine if with email, you had to have a separate email so, box for every device that you. a customer was using. Okay, I just want to hit upon that. In this industry, in auto transport, do we have the most number of variations of technology? I can't think of another example where I have 10 different types of email that I might use or yeah, 10 I different. I mean, maybe only in when we, you know, you got, you got Netflix and Hulu and Paramount and Prime and Roku and YouTube. But even then, it's still more manageable. I well, can't think of have a less manageable industry software. Well, it, it, what if you had to have a different TV for all of those? Right? Yeah, now, there that, you that, go. That's, that's a fantastic way to look excellent example. So, I mean, I mean, David, David and I had a long conversation about about uh, standardized eBOLs. Everybody wants an electronic version of of the, the the BOL. Well, that'd be great, except nobody's got one. Everybody has an eBOL, but none of them are a standard format. Well, they all contain the same information, right? If we could figure that out, that'd be a big issue. All of this is, is yeah, it's standardization. And, and it's either going to, either we're going to solve it or somebody else is going to solve it for us, right? They're going to say, you're going to use form one, two, three, everybody. In, in this contract, uses form one, two, three, this type of EBOL, right? It, it's, it's either going to come down to that. Come down to just to be quite honest with you, it's going to come down to survival of the fittest. And at some yep. point, there's going to be certain entities who capture enough market share that they're going to be the dictate. ones to turn to. Right. And right. I mean, like I said, for us internally, we made the conscious decision not to build out our own app because of everything we talked about. We're oh. using a third party app that Thank we feel is one of the, the industry leaders because that gives carriers the ability to use that. To accept dispatches from multiple sources yep. besides us, and we're still getting the benefit of that tracking information by them natively using that app. So yep. that is one of the things we saw, and that might be the short-term answer to where eventually there is some standardization. But I think there's so many out in the industry right now, we're probably going to see a couple of them bubble up to the top, and that might help out a little bit with standardizing tracking. Um, okay, Marco, I'm going to push back a little bit. I want to push back a little bit on what you said, okay? I like a lot of what you said, but I'm going to push back just a touch. I'm going to say I don't think it's going to render us into a situation where there are two or three uh, market leaders. I don't see that happening, at least not in the car haul space. At this stage, we are uh, th th there are so many different entities and enterprises and business methodologies. I'm not even going to get into whether or not I understand them all. There are so many out there that I would be. I don't believe that you're going to see a consolidation of entities within the car hall space from a corporate and company standpoint. Now, what we may see is that four or five of the of the manufacturers gravitate towards a particular standard, and we may see deviations of those standards based upon the particulars related to you know, how this manufacturer does it or how, you know, you know, Carvana or CarMax or one of those larger players that have nationwide reach do it, or if there are, are nationwide or even substantial regional dealers that want that have a stake in this. I do see something like that happening. But I do not see a situation where coast to coast we get ourselves in a, into a 
uh, called a national standard unless, unless there is a concerted effort by all of the domestic so- selling manufacturers to get together and say, enough is enough. We, we, we got to make a change. I think if we, are, if we allow the market to continue under the current conditions, we will see more and more of the same. I think until such time as they stop talking to everybody else and start getting around a table and talking to each other, I think that we will probably continue to see the same fragmentation as we have experienced in the last 25 years of my career and probably way before that for other people. Fragmentation for years to come. Here, here. Now, yeah. now Marco, I, I wasn't I wasn't talking so much about the manufacturers, Joe. I was talking more so brokerage or as a carrier of using a TMS as a means to well, communicate, right? So if, if if but but you know the broke that brokerage market is a is a massive market, big you know, as big or bigger than new OEM sales. If there is an acceptable uh, standard that's provided by the brokerage market and the OEMs can sit down and say this is something that we want. That's a path. But but without that chalk line, without that inflection point where the manufacturers all get around a table and say, this is what we want, you know, I, I just don't see them because they because they, as I said before, they all have these different priorities and they all want to be able to judge things by these basic, you know, these different KPIs until such time as there is a, a chalk line snap where they can say, this is what we want. This is the data that we want to see, and this is the consistency that's acceptable to us on, as an industry standard. I just, I, I just don't see it changing. I, I wish it would. I really do wish it would. This is one of those many arguments when I wish I was wrong, when that when I wish the cynic in me was wrong, but but unfortunately, for what I've seen, you know, the way that I've seen this this market develop, it has really been a struggle to be able to you know to try and get any kind of standardization. Absent damages and claims. That's a kind of a different animal, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, this dealership owns multiple stores and multiple manufacturers, and they don't want to have to have a code card for X and a code card for Y that they have to jump through. I think that market demand forced that to happen. Until market demand forces the manufacturers into a situation where consistent transactions are are a part of this equation, this is what we're going to deal with. Now, let me add another comment here, and I, I, I really don't want, again, I, I want Skip, I want you to understand, I'm not trying to be uh, diminutive of, of any of your points, because I think the freight being moved as we progress through, you know, the next 50 years of this industry, or at least at least through my career and probably longer, I think that being able to pinpoint time and accuracy is going to become more and more and more to the extent that it can. The problem is that right now we're hitting a wall between what is wanted and what can be provided. And until such time as the parties start to get, you know, get in sync, we're probably going to keep hitting that wall. That's my opinion. I'm off my soapbox. Jay, you're on mute. You know what? That was very helpful. Thank you very much. Okay, so here's the deal. This is a really good point. Stasevich is in the live chat. OEM moves are more controlled versus a dude with a pickup truck 
who decided to be a car hauler three weeks ago. We are seeing a stark difference in new versus used on this issue, and Stasevich is pointing it out. Fair? I mean... Yes or no? Yes or no? Yes and no. Yes and no. Okay. Not, well, how long How long before everybody's... It, 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 say, say we started with the manufacturers. Okay, now, now the dealer knows that's possible. All right, well, now he knows that you can track his new cars... Why can't you track his used cars? Why can't he? Why can't I? I find out how long it's going to take from from Mount Juliet to my store in Chicago. Yeah, but you're going right? to crank up Joe again, and Joe's going to tell you, you know, some of what he said. Isn't the new car, Ty? What's going on? Um, I think Joe. Joe, dude. Hey, Ty, do, do how you are you? Talk? Haven't talked to you all day. Oh, good. <laughs> Oh, hey Skip, hey Marco, hey David, good to see you guys. Uh, Joe, do your do the, the people that you transport new cars for? Do they track your trucks? Yes. They do. Yes. They can see where your truck is with what's they, on it and where they it's do. at. We we provide a standardized tablet to all of our company vehicles, and and the owner operators who lease to us, we. Uh, we provide the equipment to them as part of the lease agreement. So, okay. so everything that is shipped from in, internally to Midwestern is using essentially the same technology, essentially the same device, and essentially the same reporting structure. That's how we do it. Which is something that you came up with and you provided for the contracts that you have. Nobody yep. at the contract level that for the OEM said you have to do this and you have to use this. We well, decided that you'll, you'll put together a tablet and throw it in a truck and give it to that guy, and it, you're offering that as a service to your contract. Is that no? Actually, right actually, no. The reason why we did all of that was so that that way we would have a smoothness smoothness of our transactional uh, data. Um, it wasn't so that we had GPS data. That that was a, you know. We did all this way. Okay. Before well, the here's what I'm trying to find. Did the con? Did somebody? Did, is there a way for you to get the contract without knowing where your trucks are? No. Is, is this mandatory in the contract that I'm the OEM and I have to know where your trucks are? Is that it's mandatory man for you to contract? It's not mandatory, but you have. But there are there are uh, service agreements and KPIs that you have to conform to as a result. Okay, so this is what Skip's trying to say. So what you're looking at, if I'm watching this as a carrier, a vendor, a broker, whatever, whoever I am, as I'm watching this, I'm starting to see there's three three columns. We've got Joe over here in the OEM new car space. Joe says, well, it's not mandatory today, whereas if we slide over here to Skip, Skip's talking about used car dealers that own 24 state stores, rooftops, whatever you want to call them. Okay, we'll get to there in a minute. But he skips saying, no, it's coming. They're going to all want to know where the cars are. But Joe's saying, if I'm hearing you right, at this point, it's not mandatory to tr be able to track your truck to get that contract. Right. Yeah, I said it's already here. It's already started. But we're, we are not at 100% compliance at this stage. Okay. So it, we can all agree it's coming. So we, there's your OEM. Joe's man on the street, live, does it every day. And Joe just told us, it's, it's really not mandatory, but it's, you might as well call it it's here. All right, let's slide over to Skip. Skip, in my opinion, if I'm watching this, Skip's talking about used cars. Now, this is where I think it gets crazy because Skip, the guy that has 24 rooftops, 
where is he buying his cars? What are his buying habits? Probably most of his problem is coming from the fact that he's buying online. That's just my guess. And he's probably not buying truckloads because I bet if you get that guy back on the phone, Skip, and ask him, how does that work when you buy nine cars? Do you have any problem tracking those? No, because they're here tomorrow. Is that right, Skip? Well, no, not necessarily. I mean, uh, if you look, uh, Joe mentioned who was it, CarMax, right? They buy from every auction in the world, right? And they move their their cars by what the market need. So if they're buying Malibus in New York, but they sell better in Texas, they're moving those cars to Texas, right? And and yes, that's the, an internal move that should be no, dealt. No, 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 they'll move they'll move it from the they'll move it from Mannheim, Albany to to their to their stores in in Texas. Full loads, and you're saying they can't track full loads. They're having oh, they a hard do. time tracking the full loads. They, they, that's right. they you're do. saying that? Well, they, well, no, because they make that a part that that that's part of their contract. You must do it. No, well, I don't. Do that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying, does anybody have a problem tracking a full load of cars? The answer should be no. Well, no, that's not true. Okay. There's plenty of carriers that will not will not do it. But they'll show up on time. And this is where we go back to Joe. Joe doesn't. Joe can tell you when that driver's loaded. Joe can tell you when those cars will be there without having to. No, right, most of us can. But how, okay. how, many, how many customers have been told, oh, yeah, your, your cars will be there Monday, and they're not, right? They don't care right. anymore. They, they want to know. They okay. don't, don't want to make that call. They don't, they don't want to worry that it's not going to happen. They want to then know. you slide over to Marco, and you're dealing with POV, which, in my opinion, is retail. That's the guy that does use Amazon, Grubhub, yep. and Uber all the time. So that's a completely different story that I would never want to try to even talk about. Marco, thanks a lot for coming tonight. Uh, <laughs> you're but, welcome. Yeah. No, but no, we, I think, we're a mix of that POV and dealership space, as you know, Ty. And what yeah, I'll yeah. say is that while... Uh, on the POV side, it is an expectation of the customer, again, based upon consumer buying habits. And I think those same habits spill over to the dealership side as well, to where, um, you know, they also have the expectation that they will be able to know when those cars are coming in, not only within that we're within the service level tie up when we're saying, but specifically when because I'll go back to my earlier point, which is there is a whole series of procedures and steps that are being set up based upon them knowing when that vehicle will land. And that is the part for them that, yeah, you delivered in your SLA, but you were three days later than what we thought you were going to be. I wish there was a way for us to know that three days ago that you were going to be later without us having to call you 75 times or, you know, have you called the driver or, or, or points like that. So that's what we're seeing, at least with our customer side, is that more and more of them are expecting that tracking for various reasons. Um, and that's something we look to provide for them. Hey, Marco, do you do you guys offer uh, relatively real-time shipping on like a company website or something like that where you can track a delivery or whatever? Correct. We, we have a portal, if you will, for lack of a better term for it, that is you know driven by credentials. So a shipper or a B2B client that we're working with has the ability to go in and see the status of each mm. one of their, their shipments or bins um, so that they know what's going on. That's correct. Yeah. So like what we see a lot, because we don't do a lot of POVs, we do almost all B2B. Um, for us, that kind of portal doesn't add any value. 
you know, it, it goes to an industrial piece of software, and then that software goes to wherever it goes. Um, I, I think it's interesting that, and I, I guess this kind of the this this goes back to one of the points that I was making before about the the various priorities. Um, in a couple of cases, we've had OEMs that started with, let's just say, brand A, and that didn't work for them, and they went to brand B, that didn't work for them, and now we're on brand C, D, E, F, and G. We're not seeing the same degree of consistency. I think this is really a, this is a key point that I want to make about why it is that I say this fragmentation is a problem, and that until such time as there is a, you know, a group effort to get together and discuss this, you know, what, what's, a, what's, a, what's a, a priority, we're not going to see a lot of change. Um, GPS tracking versus geofencing. Wouldn't geofencing help alleviate some of the pinpoint tracking concerns? Yeah, you know, um, right? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a kind of funny thing. Um, maybe two, three, five years ago, I would have said no way in hell because there were too many destinations, too many origins, and too many, you know, intricacies. But with AI now and programming, I, I'm not sure I would say that again anymore. I think that, that you know, those times are changing. You know, that technology is radically reshaping uh, what that can do. And there could be some real applications to geofencing that, you know, does alter uh, some some things, some whatever whatever the key word is now, uh, demolish the industry or disrupt it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that if that would be a solution to people, one that would solve the the privacy issue, right? If if on the map they didn't see a dot, they saw a circle. Yeah, your computer is within this five, ten, fifty, whatever radius and and that's okay too because they can still go okay well i know where the guy's at right so i mean i agree with you i i think that that uh that uh that could be solved i mean disruptive you, that's the word i wanted there disruptive. you go disruptive yeah and i mean david do, what do you think of geofencing david i think to me i mean it still hits the same um <clears throat> milestone marker that i think about it's we just need to know you're on time you left you're in route, you know, some method, it's just another method to predict that or to get that notification that, you know, the vehicle is within a, a given range. So to me, you know, I, I just look at this as more of a psychological issue. Like what, what do people need to feel comfortable and confident? Ah, agree. And this then, is a psychological issue. That keeps me off the phone. That keeps me from making right. the call. And, you know, to the point that Marco made earlier, if I can relay that in a professional way to the client, it satisfies the psychological need for the client. So, you know, geofencing, GPS, I think there's a million ways we could solve the problem. I I, I think it's, you know, on a case-by-case -case basis, but um, it's definitely a feasible solution in my opinion. I, I think two things here. I think that um, the psychological component, that exists within a, a segment of the industry I don't know. I, I, oh, I have... come on. It's a huge part of the industry. Uh, bigger yeah, than I don't know. bigger than will make people comfortable. Psych the know. psychological component is pervasive in all aspects. 
of all industries to the point Maybe. where it gets in the way of business half the time. Maybe. Right? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give myself an applause for bring. I mean, because the psychology, it, it overrides our rational business logic. It's overriding business logic here. Not, not in my experience. Okay, but. well, thank you. I mean, you know, you're alone in that. You know, you're self and secure, and you're okay. No, I no, no. I mean, I no, mean, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, this is very psychological. That's what when, makes it so interesting. When when you outline when you outline the expectations clearly, I would say the majority of people understand them. You know, it becomes part of the of the process, and I think that. Um, there may be some people that refuse to participate in that. You know, as much as I push back on on so much of what we've talked about today, and obviously I I did a lot. I will I say I don't. No I don't, idea I don't, we would go an hour and a half. I, I I don't I don't know that I thought that this was necessarily a that. psychological thing. I think I, I I view this as a as a systemic thing. Okay. More than a psychological thing. Well, I think that's very astute. Right. And, and Joe, I agree with you. I mean, there's going to be a portion, no matter what, that don't get on the bus, right? And they're only going to they're only going to limit their opportunities in the future. You I know? agree. Like I said, if they, if they can't figure out how to move transition their business to the market, they're only going to leave themselves in in, in a spot, right? You're the correct. The market will leave them behind. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Final but I think thoughts. Going, but I think going back, I think, Go I think going back, Jay, I think that, um, you know, systemic, I, I, I don't think that you can count the psychological thing as nothing. And I think that. I agree. You know, it is not nothing. Yeah, it's not. In nothing. fact, it's, it's bigger than maybe it should be. I still can't understand how thinking you're going to get less phone calls if you keep the GPS off. I actually can't figure that out. And I understand if someone doesn't understand your methodology. Like, if I were to get a... Well, I thought you were going to go to the grocery store if you went north and then you went east, but you went south and then you went west. Well, I'm still headed to the grocery store. Okay, but why did you go south and why did you go west? I understand not wanting to have to go through those motions either. And I don't know if the data supports that that's happening. There's a lot of unknowns, which is why I think this is such a long conversation. Plus, you got new versus used, different types of customers, different shippers, SLAs, what they paid, expectations, technologies, types of service providers. My God, it goes on and on. I was a fool to think we could cover this in one show. Marco, uh, let me ask you this. Uh, in your experience, I have, an, I have an opinion. In your experience, when a driver is faithfully dispatched on a load, uh, are, are the delays that you see on delivery typically unreasonable? I would say in 90% of situ situations, are they unreasonable in your, in your experience? Um, I wouldn't say, Joe, they're unreasonable, but our challenge is having those delays communicated to us in a fashion so that we could relay that to the client in time. That's true. And by us having a, a representation of where that driver is, sometimes we could say, whoa, you should be further normally than what you are. 
we may call them to say, is there an issue? And we get, oh, yeah, man, sorry, this happened to me. I've been so busy and consumed with it. And we'll find out points like that that we could relay to the customer. So I guess that's how I'll answer your question. There normally isn't anything that's unreasonable, Joe, but sometimes it takes longer than we would like to get that communicated to us. Yeah, and, I, and, yeah. and so I think that that I, I want to touch on this now. OK, um, that right there, what we're talking about right there, that's the magic of managing this business. That's the difference between, you know, trying to systemize the entire industry. That doesn't work that way. You're dealing with human beings. How many times have I been on this cast and said relationships matter? This is where that falls into place, right there. Having that discussion with your client, with your broker, with your, you know, with your sub hauler, with your customer, all that other stuff. And, and this goes back to the point that I made before about when you contact that customer and say, here's, just, here's bad news. <laughs> what are we going to do to fix it? You know, here are the, thing, the steps that we take. How often is that received badly? Most of the time, it's not received great. But at least they understand where you're coming from and they're willing to work with you. And I think that, you know, again, the relationships aspect of this business falls in the, in the place. It always, it always does, Jay. It always does. I'm always going to bring this up one way or another. No, it's true. That, that's it a fantastic true. point, Marco. I really appreciate that. Sure. And on that note... Our magical mystery tour is at an end. <laughs> um, what I like about, you know, I had no idea that we'd go to nearly nine o'clock. I really thought we'd end around eight. And I love that we went this long and that there was this much. There's a lot to talk about here. This obviously it will be revisited. If Let's say it's revisited. What's the sequel called? This, the episode one was called Tracking Car Haulers, but the sequel will be called Revenge of the Shipper? Well, no, I, I, th I think we've agreed that it's going to happen. I guess, you know, episode two is going to be, so what do we do about it? All right, everybody, everybody has to propose a title for episode two. What? So, Skip Scott, so what do we do about it? Yeah, Re Revenge of the EBOL or something. I don't know. Revenge of the EBOL. Actually, I made this joke a while back. I named all nine different Star Wars movies with a BOL. Tracking the Shipper. Tracking the Shipper. Ooh, right. Tracking the Shipper. Dude, where's my car? Dude, where's my car? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The phone Tag Rodeo. Where's my phone car? Phone Tag Rodeo. Ooh, I like that one. I can't beat David's. I like his. his best. Yeah, I like David's too. Yeah. I think that the premise is that this isn't just a, you know, topic that necessarily is going to dwindle out. I think it's here to stay. And I think that from a carrier's perspective, my opinion, at least in the line of work in the clients we service is <laughs> by allowing tracking, you will open yourself up to, I think, less burden from working with the um, broker if you work with brokers and you're also frankly going to open yourself up to maybe be able to get a book of business and haul some cars that you might be exempt from hauling if you weren't willing to participate 
and allowing tracking of GPS. That, that's my personal opinion. All right. Well, I think that is a perfect place to end this. I want to thank everybody. Um, Skip, Marco, Ty, David, Joe, thank you all so much for taking the time, participating. This is an important issue. It's not going away. It's only going to keep going. So um, thank you all so much. Really appreciate it. It's been fun. Thanks, guys. Good to see everybody. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. Joe, I'm wearing my Azuri shirt next time we're on together, man. We'll see you. Let's go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> This is rugby. No, I mean that, but that's that's I'm, not. A I'm rugby just hanging shirt. up on you right now. This is a rugby match, so bring your rugby shirts next time. The scrum, yeah. The scrum, exactly. Thanks very much, David. I'm glad we made it uh, in time for you. Right, you're still with us. Yes, appreciate it. Yeah, awesome. I'm here too. I got a few minutes. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. Really appreciate that, Skip. Great job posting this on LinkedIn and starting this conversation. Um, and I, w I will say this too, because you shared a post with me today too, is that by posting on LinkedIn, you know, this is an interesting form of repurposing media in that this show came from a post you made on LinkedIn. Then this show can generate another post on LinkedIn, which can generate another show and on and on it goes. So I really like seeing how social media begets social media. So, so I'll get a commission then? Uh, well, <laughs> if we were getting any money, yes, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay, so next episode, how to make money with episode. social media. Right, okay. Yes. So we have that to look forward to as well. Perfect. <laughs> get in line. <laughs> you can buy me a hot dog at car. Use car I'll, I'll tell you what, I'm in line first, and then, but you can be in line with me. Come on, it's just a hot dog. I know, Come on. it's crazy. Shoot, yeah. And hot I'm dogs here. in lane eight? Scott's still, hot dogs are only like $20, $25 or something, yeah. Because they cook themselves, at least they did. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh -huh. Those of us going to UCW, I think, need to huddle together, Jay. And, uh, yeah. You know, okay. yeah. Back up. Use car week. Show of hands, use car week. Yeah. Now, I know Joe can't go. Joe was can't invited. Do it. Can't do it. Uh, I got family, family things, sorry. Do you have a family thing? David... Any plans to? No, I'll yeah. be out of town that week. I, yeah. I hear yeah. you. No, I hear you. Hometown, I gotta go. But Skip, Skip will be in town. Marco, you'll be there. So yeah, use Car Week. Yeah, I have a breakout spe speaking session during UCW. So me too. What day are you yeah. on? Uh, uh, Tuesday, I think. Me Second too. Day. What time are you on? In the morning, nine thirty. No, maybe? me too. Oh, okay. Well, I think I'm around eleven. To support each other's uh, and what? Yeah. There, Jay. All right. There you go. Well, let's show some support. That sounds a awesome. ATI support. Right? Exactly. There you go. I love that. I exactly. love it. That's awesome. You guys, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Please do stick around. We're going to do a couple Ask Larry questions. I'll end the meeting here. Thanks, everybody. And see if you can get all three questions right in the live chat. Ready? All right, here we go. Here comes the applause, and here comes the meeting. Thank you so much. It's always so hard to let go of these meetings. See you soon. All right, cool. See you guys in. All right, take care. All right, so I ended the meeting. Now, I said that I would do Ask Larry, because we're trying something new. I'm going to try and do Ask Larry at the end of the show. Are you a car shipping guru? Oh, no, that's not the right one. Is it? Oh, it's a drum roll first. All right, we got three Larry questions. Stick around, we'll try and do them fast. Here we go, question one. 
What big three automakers are the UAW union striking against? Is it Ford, GM, Stellantis, Tesla, Kia, Hyundai, Nissan, Hyundai, Toyota, or Cadillac, Subaru, and Buick? Thanks, everybody, in the live chat. Nexus, thanks for the super chats. Awesome stuff. Really appreciate that. Um, you don't have to participate, but this should be easy at this point. Is it Ford, GM, Stellantis, Tesla, Kia, Hyundai, Nissan, Honda, and Toyota, or Cadillac, Subaru, and Buick? Going once. It's not the same at the end of the show, is it? Interesting. I'll have to find uh, I'll have to find the right placement for this. All right, here we go. I'll give you the answer. You knew it was Ford, GM, and Stellantis. Question two. In what three states did the UAW strikes halt production first? Alabama, Georgia, Texas, Michigan, Ohio, Missouri, New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia, or California, Arizona, Utah? The answer is... Oh, Chris said, I fell back to the Toyota way. Before the management shows up, you already have a plan to correct whatever the problem was. No difference when calling or being called, be, being called by the broker of the deal. I think it's really interesting. Uh, thank you, Chris. I think it's really interesting that, um, uh, I get distracted by Rod's answer. Rod was answering question one. It is for GM Stellantis. Uh, that if a, if a, if a carrier or driver turns on their GPS so that the broker or dispatcher, which are two totally different jobs, but if a broker can see it or if a dispatcher can see it, it'd be helpful. They are they are the last line of defense before the shipper, before the client, before the SLA. So it would seem like that would be beneficial. So the broker or dispatcher, again, different businesses, could see where the carrier is and help the carrier communicate to the shipper without the shipper staring at the television the whole time. It is Michigan, Ohio, and Missouri. All right, here we go. Question three. This is for all the marbles. What percentage wage hike is the UA demanding of the big three? Now, this is initially. Initially. I'll take two answers here, actually. I would... Well, one of them's better than the other one, but I'm not sure that one of them is the ultimate final, final answer. Not everybody at once. But I do want to thank everybody for being in the show tonight. Thank you so much. Uh, again, Skip for putting together that post. Marco, Ty, David, Joe, all chiming in. Really good stuff. See, that's it. It is. It is 40%. 40% wage hike. That seems to be the problem. But they pointed out, we saw the slide, 40%. Uh, it, this is, see, this is the thing. It's interesting. And I talk about capitalism, and, and I, don't, I don't think it goes over well until then some, suddenly there's a strike. The thing is that the, if the CEO is going to make a thousand times the worker, uh, well, what is it like to be the CEO? What did it take to become the CEO? How long are you going to still be the CEO? Is a thousand times justified? I don't know. Should it be 100 times, 50 times? I mean, who's who's the decider? As George W. Bush once said. Um, he's the decider, actually. But the thing is that, you know, should it be a million percent? You know, in capitalism, it can be a million. It can be a trillion percent. And you can brag about, you know, uh, 
historic profits for, you know, that you made. And it's awesome until it's not. So I don't know, you know, isn't the, isn't the expectation that your wage hike needs to match the CEO's wage hike? Isn't that a bit of a, oh God, no, am I going to say the commie word? Isn't that a bit of a socialistic viewpoint? Fine, I said it. Again, I don't think that word is the devil either, but my point is that it's in the way we look at things, perception and psychology came up tonight. Isn't perception and psychology coming up? Now, what about COLA? Cost of living adjustment? Okay, cost of living adjustment maybe should be more than 6%. But is it 40%? Didn't you measure inflation at 20%? How'd you get to 40%? Because that's what the CEO's making? I don't know. I don't know. So I don't know what the answer is. I just know that if they, if they, if they stick on a hard 40, it's going to, it's going to, yeah, it's going to be a problem. And then we're going to go back to overseas shipping and then the pandemic hits and everybody wears a mask again. And then we want to bring it home again. And then we send it overseas again and on and on in the supply chain. And the, it's crazy. Dealers aren't rude and have a bad attitude. That's a perfect way to end the show. Thanks, everybody, for jumping in the live chat. Thank you, Superflow Systems, Auto Hall Exchange, and Super Dispatch for your support. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys, everybody, for tuning in. No show Thursday. We'll be back on Tuesday with OEM Car Haulers Part 2. So please do join us for that. Let me know if there's something we need to add. Uh, send in the news, autotransportintel at gmail.com. Otherwise, you know what? I'm going to run the car hauler. Here it comes. Thanks, everybody. Take care, and we'll see you soon. Peace out. <music>